Well, hello, and uh, welcome to a Sunday dose. And um, yeah, had my uh, family Christmas party yesterday and uh, good productive work week and much to be grateful for. Hope you feel the same. And uh, as we continue in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we are uh, all the way to verse 23 of Matthew 5. And where we left off is following, of course, the Beatitudes, Jesus' kind of mantra for how different his kingdom is and the values of what it is to follow him and how different our lives should look because of him and his love. And uh, we've looked at a few different ways that that kind of plays out. But last time, we specifically talked about how... um, you know, murder isn't just physically killing someone, that there is equally a damaging, devastating, and uh, like relationally killing thing to do, which is to slander, um, to talk ill, to be judgmental, and that Jesus takes that just as seriously. That's what he's saying, like very low bar to just not kill people. And now he's going to take that even farther today. And this... um, in many ways, kind of pulls a lot of threads together of Jesus's teachings of if you want to figure out what Jesus was all about, these are some pretty good verses. If you want to figure out how to follow Jesus better, these are some pretty good verses. And even more than that, if you want to feel closer in your relationship with Jesus, these are some pretty good verses for you uh, of how to actually do that. And um, uh, it's interesting. So we'll read uh, verses 23 through 26 today. Here's what Jesus says next in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. And reading that, uh, after I said, if you want to have a closer relationship with Jesus, you might be like, what? Um, Because that doesn't sound like a spiritual retreat or like just the reminder of how gentle and loving Jesus is for you and he has your best in mind. No, no, it's very action-oriented about do you think he's serious? And if so, are you willing to put it into action? And his invitation is live like this and it'll change you. And and it opens with that in verse uh, 23, therefore, because he's connecting this idea to the whole um, raka and slander and the stuff that we talked about last time. And so he's literally saying, if you are, think, think about, uh, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, so this is a religious ritual, right? Where, you, where you're coming to the temple then or to church now, and you're offering a gift at the altar, like you're participating in something that's supposed to be, like a gift at the altar is about forgiveness, about reverence towards God, about um, honoring and worshiping, uh, God, but he's saying, if you're doing a religious activity, um, it can wait because relationship is more important, which is confusing, isn't it? Um, it's not what we think of very often, but that Jesus is putting on par 
our relationship with him and our relationship with other people. How we treat other people is on par with our relationship with God. So if you want to grow in relationship with God, Jesus is sort of saying, have better relationships with the people around you and you'll come to know me more. It's it's better, you know, we've talked about this through a number of the different kind of themes through the Beatitudes and these verses that it's better to be wronged than to always try to be right. And um, I remember in like marriage counseling, a therapist told my wife and I, you know, in, in any argument and tension, we can focus on either being right. We can focus on kind of like protecting our dignity if we feel wronged. Um, or we can focus on the relationship. Uh, and she said, you can't have all three. And typically what we do is want all three, but we we can end up sacrificing the relationship by just being really self-protectant and our dignity and focused on the other person was wrong or just that we're right and this is how things have to go. And that's like a marriage counseling therapeutic way of saying what Jesus is saying right here. That even in a religious sense, even in our spiritual relationship with God, being right with other people and focusing on our relationship with other people is how we also love God, right? Think of uh, Jesus's teachings, right? One of the, the biggest one became known as the golden rule. There's a version of it in many religions, um, but it's something that Jesus said that, that part of how we love God is we love other people. And that, that the meaning of life comes down to loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. And you know, one of the times Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? And he said, to love God. Uh, and he quotes like a, a very famous Jewish verse to Jewish people asking the question about loving the Lord your God with all of your strength and all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul. But then, without being asked, he says, and the most important is to love your neighbor as much as yourself. And you're like, well, wait, which commandment is most important? Like the, the first most important commandment is love God. And then the next most important commandment is to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, to love other people as yourself. And so if, you, if you've ever wondered what, what the most important thing to do is, it's both. You cannot love God without loving people. That's essentially a way to think about what he's saying. You can't love me and be a tool to other people. You can't say you love me and be a jerk or be vindictive or treat other people uh, as um, disposable or less than. Um, if you think about it from like a parent perspective, if somebody um, you know makes fun of me or picks on me or goes out of their way to, to hurt me, that is difficult uh, to process and to deal with. But if somebody does that to my kid, it's a whole different problem. And God made every other human being in his image just like you. And he loves them just like he loves you. And so how you treat other people, in particular people you don't like, is a reflection of your love for God, is a reflection of your relationship with God, your depth with God. And that one of the most practical things that you and I can do to learn to love God more and learn to be loved by God more is love people who are hard to love. Because in loving people who who maybe uh, well, are hard to love, who who don't return the love, who don't reciprocate it, who are maybe vindictive or angry, or or it's like loving them tends to lead to frustration and more tension. You learn something about the depth and the magnitude of God's love for you. You you grow in appreciation of God's love, 
because it's it's this action-oriented kind of stuff. And so part of how you love God is by loving other people. And part of how we love other people is by loving God. And that it's like the same, it's like the same coin, just two different sides of it. What's most important? Love God. Flip it over. What's most important? Love other people. Because it's an expression of how you love God. Um, and that I think is a is a simple concept, but very difficult to go and live by. And again, just like the golden golden rule and love your neighbor as much as yourself, most even Christians see this stuff as like um, just idealistic. But I, I really think Jesus is serious, like dead serious, was willing to die on a cross to show us the extent and the power of this kind of love that death can't even kill it or hold it back, that a grave can't define it or limit it. It's the kind of love that can change the course of history. And Jesus's early followers uh, spread this message of what Jesus had defined love as, as action-oriented. So Jesus did not define this kind of love when he said love. And again, I, I'm pretty sure I've said this on other podcasts, talk about it all the time. Love is such a diluted word for us in the English language, right? We say we love um, all kinds of things, and we mean very different things by them. And so the ancient Greeks had five different words for love, and agape is the self-sacrificing enemy kind of love. It's it's the kind of love that seeks the betterment of other people. And Jesus's followers were so changed radically by seeing him die on a cross and defining love in that way. And, and, and think this is awesome because they didn't have a New Testament Bible that they were sitting around reading and talking about how to love God more. They were just saying, if Jesus would die on a cross for us, then how do we go love like that? How do we embody that same kind of sacrificial death? Um, you know, it's something that Jesus didn't just teach these things. I don't think that if Jesus just taught us to love people as much as ourselves, that we'd still be talking about him today. We're talking about him still today because he lived this kind of love. He modeled this kind of love and not just on the cross. That's like the ultimate expression of this generous kind of love, but that he, he lived loving actions. He went out of his way to take care of those who were oppressed or forgotten or had fallen through the cracks of their society or their religious system. People who were poor, people who were diseased, people who were struggling, people who had given up on hope. He went out of his way to love them and to see them and to show you and I how to live this kind of generous love. Because when we are generous in our love to other people who cannot, by our love and service of them, give us anything in return, we, we are reflecting the heart of God, a generous, radical, even ridiculous kind of love, a grace that just loves, a mercy that just loves. And I don't know, it's just a... It kind of creates a litmus test in a way for us in our relationship with God that maybe the next time you know, I'm doing something in a service project to help take care of people, I shouldn't take a picture and post about it because even though I'm telling the story of others and helping, I'm, I'm also still pointing back to my own goodness in it and that maybe I should practice those types of things in privacy more. So it's just between God and I and he knows. But back to, I mean, specifically the topic at hand is, is um, I mean, Jesus talked about this a lot. Be very, very careful in how you practice your religion for the sake of what you get out of it. or for and, and by that, mostly how other people see you practicing it and then thinking that makes you a good Christian or a good, a good human. 
um, but rather practice these things out of just purity of heart and focus on you and God and trust that he'll take care of the things whether others ever commend you for it or celebrate you for it and blah, blah, blah. But I love in these verses that he specifically is saying, when you come to worship me, when you come to bring an offering to my altar, when you come into the temple because you want to worship me and then remember that you have an issue with someone, go love that person, I can wait. How you love that person is how you love me. Show me you love me by go loving them. Leave the gift of the altar, I can wait. Go and be reconciled. Offer forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. Admit wrong and focus on the relationship being reconciled. And that, you know, forgiveness is a whole big topic that we probably should also talk up on, on here on some point and we'll get to with Jesus' teachings. But forgiveness isn't about going to the person who's wronged you and hurt you and just acting like you forget what happened. It's not about downplaying what they did, but it's about, and it's not also saying like, uh, let's reconcile so we can be best friends. And like, I have to hang out with you every day. Forgiveness is just saying, I no longer hold that against you. I too have done wrong and I release you of that. And I forgive you of that. And we, you focus on reconciliation. That there's no longer this tension between the two. You don't have to hang out with them ever again, necessarily. That's not the point. And so, um, how do you love those? How you love those that you can't stand is, is like the ultimate form of love. How you love those who annoy you is a way to grow deeper in your relationship with God, to understand his love for you, to demonstrate and to practice your love for him. So maybe this week, if you're praying and you remember that you've got some beef with someone, uh, some other person, you should stop praying and go seek re reconciliation with that person. Or if you're in church and there's this like just dope worship song, the band's killing it, your emotions are stirred. And as you're singing the song, you're listening to these words, you remember that you have some unresolved tension in a friendship. You should stop singing that song for a moment. God can wait and send a text or step out of the church service and make a phone call because that too is how you worship God. If you're maybe serving others in a food kitchen this holiday season or perhaps you're on a volunteer team at your church and you see someone whom you've, you don't like or you've written off or you've judged or you've been annoyed by or you've been offended by, you should stop what you're doing as a volunteer and pull that person aside and seek reconciliation. That seeing in, in reconciling a relationship, you are living the reconciliation that you have from God. That you will understand more the depth of his love and his forgiveness and his mercy for you when you practice it. Because love isn't a feeling, it is an action. This kind of love that Jesus calls us to is action-oriented. You know, if you're about to take communion, next time you take communion, like this is a thing that you do in church, right? It's like everyone's doing it or this is something someone's given me. Before you take communion, you must slow down and assess your relationships with other people first because communion isn't just about your relationship with God. It is about the relationship that he has placed you in with every other person in your life. And so focus on maybe the relationship, you know, like assess the relationships where they're at. 
Is, is there some somewhere you've neglected to demonstrate love to, taken the actions of love towards in obedience for him so that you're not just someone who is a receiver of grace, but you are a giver of grace? When we take communion, we are not just to recognize and, and, and be in honor of and, and reverence towards the fact that we receive forgiveness and reconciliation. We are to be practitioners of forgiveness, practitioners of reconciliation. And so this week, I need to do this, and I know you do too. Because every day of our lives, we will cross paths with people, whether briefly as a cashier at a store or someone that we work with that just, just annoys us. Or the people who have really gone out of their way to hurt and harm us. Let us not focus on religious rituals because just focusing on our relationship with God and, and religious ritual things like prayer, fasting, worship, church, community, they can all be focused on really us and what we get out of it, which is never what God's called us to do or just to be. But find opportunities to love others, to forgive others. Someone will cut you off in traffic. Someone will annoy you at work. Someone will give you another opportunity this week to practice this agape kind of love that intentionally seeks the betterment of them and allows you to practice what it is that Jesus has done for you on a cross. So, um, ah, I at least know that's what I got to work on this week. I assume the same for you. Hope you have a good week. See ya.